Hi, this is Marta Keene, the Will County Recycling Specialist, and you're listening to Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. I go in and tell my dad I'm done, which was a mistake. You know, as soon as he hears you're finished, you're like, oh, that didn't take long. Let's take a looky looky out here. The Mike Novak Show starts in 2, 1. Finished, huh? All right. I go in and tell my dad I'm done. Which What's that right there? What's that grass coming out of that log, son? Looks like you missed a spot. I was like, Dad, I think there might be a bee's nest under there. He goes, oh, okay, okay. Uh-huh, bee's nest. Huh? That's good, that's good. Let me tell you something about bees, John. Bees live in trees. He said that. He said those words. He kicked the log over, took the lawnmower, <laughs> Mowed over where the log was. And it was a wasp nest in the ground. They can do that. Google it. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in demand. Right. Hey, and welcome to the show. Uh, we're back. We're back. And uh, back. Look, let's you don't get just, rid of us that easily. And look, I have a new, speaking of back, behind me, my back, is a new background. Wow. We've uh, moved to a different part of the house. Um, I got tired of, I don't know. Holding uh, the umbrella over your head? Yeah, holding <laughs> That's right, because we had the umbrella to block out the skylight. So we thought, okay, come on, let's let's go to this side of the room. It's it's prettier anyway. And I got a couple of plants back there. Uh, That's a ZZ my ZZ plant, which is doing great. Um, uh, Diane Blazik, have you ever grown a ZZ plant? I don't think I have. Tell me. Oh, you got to get one. It's a challenge. The problem is the challenge is to not water it, not to water it, but to not water it because you'll kill a ZZ plant by watering it. All right. And then Peggy, look behind you. That's the plant you gave me earlier this year. Oh, nice. That's looking is, good. Which is, yeah, it's great. It's doing well, which is, and I thank goodness I still have the tag. It's the uh, Scylla violetia. So um, it's a wonderful, it and it bloomed uh, earlier in the cool. year. It seems to be doing great. So I haven't killed that one yet either. So <laughs> I got them all. Yeah, I know. I get two dings. You, you get a ding for that. Yes. And uh, let's check to make the uh, sure that the other part of uh, the setup is working. 
No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> uh, and we, it worked yesterday. I had that all set up. Oh, I know why it isn't. I'll tell you why. And I can't do that right now until I turn off the sound from uh, the Facebook uh, because uh, that's should, should that's Diane I and I just talk amongst no, ourselves? No, 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 no. That's okay. I, <laughs> all I got to do. Okay. I've got the Facebook sound turned off. So that's good. So I can go back to this thing that I was running. Because let's do this. Great. And now try this. See, we're all at home, folks. Lawns are a soul-crushing time suck. And most of us would be better off without them. Okay, there you go. Now, (laughs) and Diane, you don't have to adhere to that philosophy, okay? Um, My lips are sealed. Yeah, I know, I know. Because some people love their lawns. Too many people actually love their lawns. But hey, you're with the National Garden Bureau, and we're going to get to uh, Diane Blazek in just a second because she is the executive director of the National Garden Bureau and other things. Uh, but mainly National Garden Bureau today is what we're talking about. But I want to let people know before we go any further that tomorrow, and if you're listening a week later, because some of you get this show uh, on uh, tape delay, Uh, although there's no such thing as tape anymore. Um, But uh, tomorrow, the 24th of August, uh, I'm doing a garden tour in my own backyard. It's going to be streamed live right on these very Zoom networks. Um, (laughs) And it is uh, courtesy of the Commerce Township Community Library. Now, that's in Michigan, near Ann Arbor and Pontiac, uh, in that general area. Um, and, uh, the reason this is happening, cause I spoke to them last year and my niece works there and, uh, Alexis, I don't know if you're listening, but I'm waving, uh, if you are. And she set it up and she said, Hey, would you do a zoom, uh, presentation for us? And I said, why not do a garden tour? Uh, and it didn't get set up until tomorrow which is the 24th of August. And, you know, at that point, Diane, you know this, uh, being a gardener yourself, and Peggy, you know this, mm-hmm. at this time of the year, gardens are sometimes a little iffy. They're a little overgrown and all my, the good- Mine's crispy. It, 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 I, well, see, I've been tending mine because I knew I had to do, mm-hmm. you know, a little extra water. I don't really like to water if I don't have to. Uh, but if people are going to be watching and they, the tomatoes need to look good and, and not just the tomatoes, the, the native plants and, and all the other stuff that I've got in the yard. So uh, I'm doing that tomorrow at 5 p.m. Central Time, one hour, 5 p.m. to 6. It's free and you can sign up. Now, I know we've had this on Facebook and I've been posting it on Facebook. I'm going to post it on Twitter. A lot of you don't like social media and that's okay. Um I put it on the website, too, so you can go to MikeNovak.net, and uh, right at the top of the page, on the right side, you will see Visit Mike's Garden Online, exclamation mark, and there's the information. You have to register so that, because they're going to send you a Zoom uh, invite, and, uh, and then uh, that's all there is to it, and then you, you come by at about 5 p.m. tomorrow, uh, central time again. Can and, we bring uh, a beverage? Uh, you can bring whatever beverage you want. Just don't leave your mic on while you're having the beverage. Okay. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. That's one of the things you learn about zoom conferences, especially if it's a presentation, everybody else has to turn off their videos and audio signals 
uh, because it just sucks up bandwidth. So if you're doing that tomorrow, uh, you will probably be asked to do that. But you can type in your comments and questions, and cool. there you go. So I'm very excited about it and happy to help out my niece. Uh, so let's get to Diane Blazek, the executive director of the National Garden Bureau. Thanks again for being on the show. Uh, you guys are celebrating a big anniversary, aren't you? We really are. A hundred years. I, I would say a hundred years is something to be recognized, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is something. Tell us just wow. a little bit about the origin of uh, the National Garden Bureau. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It was founded actually here in Chicago. So it's it's nice that um, 100 years later, we're still based here in Chicago. Um, we've had, you know, a number of executive directors over the years, and sometimes it was run out of people's homes in California or Pennsylvania or something. But yeah, for our 100th anniversary, we are here in Chicago. It was started by James Burdett, who was a journalist, mm-hmm. and he also wor- worked for seed companies. So his whole thought was, we need to educate homeowners more about their gardens. And so he founded National Garden Bureau on that premise. And that's still what we're doing today, is we're inspiring and educating. You know, he, he was the perfect combination for this organization. You know, not only... Yeah. He runs a seed company and he's a journalist. I'm like, okay, that works. Let's take those two things, put them together, and we can. Uh, and no wonder the organization has lasted a hundred years. But then in World War II, which leads into another initiative you're working on right now, this same guy was still around and he was still leading the organization. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. He was leading it up until I believe sometime in the. 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, nice segue. What he did was he was involved in launching the Victory Garden program in World War One, And then after, but well, between the two world wars is when he started our organization. So naturally, then when World War Two came about, he jumped on the bandwagon, wrote the Victory Garden manual, which I wish I had. It's so old. You know, it's from the 40s, but my book is still intact. Um, so, yeah, he Wait, was. Do you, very, have, you don't have an original version of a copy of this? I do. In oh, my you office. Do? I, oh, yeah, you but, say you wish you had it here. OK. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I'm at home today. So, yeah. yeah, I do have it in my office. We've got a picture of it up on our website. Yeah. Oh, I've got it uh, on my website, too. Uh, You can scroll down, go to MikeNovak.net and look at uh, this week's blog and you'll see Victory Garden 2.0. And I believe that's the original uh, manual there, right? Yeah, that's that's the original manual. Yeah. Which I don't know if you can see. I think um, in the 1940s, it probably sold for like a nickel. (laughs) <laughs> and I went on Amazon. I think I had to pay like $68 or something for it. <laughs> uh, you know what? That was a bargain. Even, yeah. Yeah. I would think it's at $68. Yeah. We got like a minute left, but um, I just wanted to uh, mention something that I'm, I'm, and then we'll break and we'll come back. But um, you know, the other parallel uh, is that he had, and, and the United States had just come out of pandemic when he started this. So that's the parallel to right now, a hundred years later to it. I imagine you guys have thought of that. Uh, sure. We've thought of that <laughs> quite often. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, see, now it's something you get to add and go, you know, and a further parallel is that uh, there was a pandemic in the United States in uh, not 1917, but actually 1918, 1919. And actually it did stretch into 1920. All right. That's Diane Blazik, executive director of the National Garden Bureau. We need to take a break, but we, when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the work that you're doing, how people can get involved, uh, and then a bunch of other good stuff on the show today. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. We continue to live in interesting and challenging times. As we've learned over the past few months, something as important as tree care can be made much more difficult by unexpected events like the COVID-19 pandemic. Bartlett Tree Experts understands that and has made safety their number one consideration. But that's not surprising because safety has always been their number one concern and will continue to be their concern as we move into the next phases of this crisis. Something else we've learned over this time is that people love their trees and from a safe distance have been eager to talk to Bartlett Arborist representatives, whether from the safety of their porch or through a window or over the phone. They also know that Bartlett can make outside areas safer from ticks, which are having a banner year thanks to a mild winter. Bottom line, the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts want to say thank you to their customers for loving trees and understanding that every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Are you ready to make a difference by supporting sustainability, civic, and interfaith engagement? Be part of the Faith in Place 2020 Green Team Summit, September 13th through 17th. This year, it's virtual, and sponsors can reach more than 25,000 citizen activists, families, students, and faith leaders through promotions, social media, and emails. Go to greenteamsummit.org to become a sponsor, or sign up to attend workshops on climate crisis, health, clean energy, and more. That's at faithinplace.org. In the past few months, we've all learned how to be smart, indoors and out. Take that one step further by being smart with your recycling, too. Don't put personal protective equipment or PPE into recycling bins. Those items can't be recycled by your waste hauler, and you might endanger your sanitation workers. Follow the rules of your local municipality. And please, don't throw PPE on the ground. A little common sense and some concern for those around us can go a long way. We're all in this together. Lonely little petunia in an onion patch, an onion patch, an onion patch. I'm a this is lonely not Chuck little Berry. petunia in an onion patch, and all I do is cry all day. And I'm sure you're familiar with Arthur Godfrey. Uh, I don't know, Diane, is, is he before your time? Yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> Not before mine. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Um, keep your computer to a, a dull roar there, Diane, uh, as as we move forward. But but I'm glad to see that you like your Sunday morning music and it's ready to go at, at any time. Uh, that's Diane Blazik, who is the executive director of the National Garden Bureau. And we're talking about all the... The good things they're doing to get you interested in gardening. We were talking during the break about something that you guys just completed. By the way, I should mention you're also uh, at All America Selections. That's part of the National Garden Bureau. We're not going to talk about the All America, the AAS, sometimes it's uh, referred to, uh, trial plants 
that are done each year and then the best of the best are highlighted. Um, uh, come 2021, we'll bring you back and talk about the latest and the greatest there. Um, but we were talking about a, a survey that you just did about the future of gardening. And as I think I wrote to you, I'm just interested in getting through 2020 right now. I mean, to me, that would be really good. Just get through intact. But that's part of your job is to find out the trends and what people are thinking. So what are people thinking, Diane? Well, um, it was interesting because I want to say that we did this survey last October. So it was pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. And now we're reading and looking at the results again, and I'm presenting them in various places, and they're just spot on. You know, I really don't think that anything would change if we surveyed people now. Um, For the most part, what are people saying for the future of gardening is there will be more edibles. Mm -hmm. Um, There will be more and more plants used outside. There was a little bit of a difference, you know, in age groups. The younger groups said they would have more edibles or that's the reason they garden. The older groups were saying that um, they wanted beauty. They wanted to prettify their home environments. Interesting. I've gone yeah. the other direction. I, uh, you know, 15 years ago, I was all about the pretty, all about ornamentals. I have gone, I have switched completely, uh, not, you know, not completely, but I've switched into vegetables and, and growing edible crops. You know, 15 years ago, I grew them just to prove I could. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little more important. Uh, so I'm interested that the uh, folks in my generation are going the opposite direction, but then I've always swum against the current. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that we have been saying, well, since the last recession, since, you know, 2008 and nine, we saw a big uptake in vegetable gardening and then it kind of leveled off. Well, we were really concerned because it felt like a lot of people were saying, I'm going to 100% switch my garden over to edibles. Well, you need those ornamentals to attract the pollinators. Mm -hmm. So we, at that point, kept saying, make sure you have both. Make sure you have some ornamentals to attract pollinators Mm -hmm. along with your edibles. Absolutely. Peggy, you were talking about some of the things you noticed in the survey because Diane was kind enough to send us uh, various versions of it. Yeah. Um, Well, one of the things that we we were talking about earlier um, with the victory gardens and the rows being perfect and everything having to be well-spaced and timed perfectly. One of the responses of the future of gardening was people saying that it was difficult or the impression that it was difficult. That gardening is difficult. That gardening is difficult. I'm just wondering how much of that impression goes back to things like that victory garden where people presume it's got to be perfect rows, evenly spaced, perfectly weeded versus more free form, shall we say. Right, right. And and that's something we talk about too. And Mike, it'll be interesting to see on your walkabout tour tomorrow mm-hmm. is, you know, you, you have social media and you have people on Instagram posting beautiful pic- close-up pictures of their garden or of a flower or a tomato. But if you pan back, you're going to see that the garden doesn't always look perfect. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. We want You're people here. to know that they can <laughs> fail and that everything doesn't always look perfect. Yeah. And um, it's in my yard because I'm in the city. Um, it's an urban garden. Um, I've got, as you know, you talk about dappled shade. I got three flat shade. And at certain times of the year, you get no sun. Um, sun is always a challenge in an urban garden and often in suburban gardens as well. You have to manage sun. And I think the very first thing, you know, we talk about soil, but if you got a house, 
that's surrounded by other houses, I actually think the very first thing you have to do is look at the sun, see what you're dealing with there, and then yeah. move on, and then and then you can plan the rest of it. Yeah, and and the microclimate also caused by having two buildings, three buildings close together, the sun, the funneling winds. Yeah, well, funneling winds in your case, but blocked winds in my case. I'll tell you, uh, in when the derecho hit last week. Uh, I had a couple of tomato plants kind of keel over, but that was it. That was the the extent of the damage. Went out, propped them back up, done, and everything mm-hmm. was fine. And it's because we're kind of sheltered there. And that's one of the advantages uh, that we have here. Not everybody has that. Uh, but uh, we just got a couple of minutes here. I, I think that's the important thing. You know, the other things you were talking about, um, uh, cost, um, and during the break, I was saying there are various ways you can go with the cost. Diane, do you, do you agree with that? Oh, I totally agree. Right. I mean, you know, I do things very economically. I literally save Greek yogurt cartons, and that's what I start all my seeds in. So you're you here. don't have to have a big fancy setup. You can do about anything you want. You can start from seeds, or you can buy, you know, a tomato in a one-gallon container. You can buy a small shrub, or you can buy one in a big five-gallon. So you know, there's something for everybody is basically Mm -hmm. the message. And there's plenty of information out there to be had. So you just read up and, and try it. If it doesn't work, you try it again. You know, gardening is one big experiment. It it is. And, and, and that's my advice is just jump in, just (laughs) get out there, plant a seed, water it. Um, Not everything is going to go perfectly. And that's part of the challenge. It's like raising a kid. You think everything is going to go great? <laughs> oh, it's the same with your garden. It's another living thing. So in about 20 seconds, what's the future uh, looking like uh, for 2021? Well, there will definitely be more edibles being grown. You know, there was such a huge increase this year that that will continue. And then the other thing we kind of alluded to very early is People will still want lawns. They may be a lot smaller than they were in the past, especially like post-World War II, but mm-hmm. people still want a little green space for family activities. Uh, that's fantastic. And Chuck Berry was not your fault, Diane. I just found out. So I'm so sorry about that. For all the information about the National Garden Bureau, go to my website or what's the website real quick? NGB.org. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Whether you have a garden, a farm, or grow houseplants, you need microbial buddies to reconnect you to nature. The folks at Blazing Star sell probiotics from industry leader Tinyo Biologicals, which means they sell good soil biology, which means they maximize soil biodiversity. That results in healthy soil and healthy plants. Tinyo beneficial microbial soil components will add a major boost to depleted soils. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. 
COVID-19 messed with a lot of things this year, but the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards still wants to see your garden. SEGA announces the 60-second Garden Video Challenge. Take your cell phone or camera out to your yard and show us in one creative minute why your garden is special. SEGA will post the videos on their YouTube page where viewers can vote for the best. Yes, there will be prizes. Go to chicagogardeningawards.com or click the logo at mikenovak.net. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. Hey, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That song is in honor of our guest who's standing by right now, Ryan Anderson from Midwest Grows Green. And that's because he told us last year, he said, folks, I don't know if it was earlier this year. I think it was last year. Folks, I'm moving Oh, blends. Uh, Yeah, I know. I can't tell. Pre-COVID, post-COVID, who knows? Uh, He said, I'm going off to the Appalachian Trail, and I'm going to be hiking the Appalachian Trail. I'll see you in a year or so. And then he writes to us last week and says, "Um, that didn't happen uh, because of uh, COVID, right, Ryan? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so I'm so sorry you didn't have your opportunity. But like I said, he's a youngster. He's going to get out there, and he's going to do it uh, as soon as we figured this out in about 2027. I'm sure that you'll be out there and on the trail. So uh, we will be with Ryan in in just a second. And uh, I don't know if you've got the other thing that he sent, Peggy. Uh, did you send it to me or to, to Peggy or Ryan or both? Uh, both. Okay, good. So you handle that, Peggy, while I tell folks about something that's going on uh, right now. In fact, uh, what happens when your lilac sale gets postponed by a pandemic. Speaking of pandemics, well, you carefully nurture your plants and reschedule for an online sale in September. The Lombard Garden Club, they, that's a lousy ding. Let's, come on, let's try that again. There we go. The Lombard Garden Club has a large selection of dwarf, semi-dwarf, and full-size bushes in white, pink, magenta, bluish purple, and the ever-popular common purple. I don't know how you can call purple common. Uh, It's purple, yes. Here's a bonus. Due to the delay, the plants are bigger than usual and ready for immediate fall planting. That's the good side. Purchase your lilacs online and pick them up at Lilachia Park. That makes sense. In Mm -hmm. Lombard. Uh, And that's September 10 to 12. So go online right now to Lombard. L-O-M-B-A-R-D, LombardGardenClub.org, or click the lilac photo at MikeNovak.net. You'll find it on the right side of the page, and there you go. You can uh, 
pick some up and I was looking at them online. They look wonderful. Lilacs, of course, are uh, um, part of spring for a lot of people. They can't survive spring without the smell of a lilac shrub. So welcome back to the show. And there's Ryan Anderson from Midwest Grows Green. So I'm so glad that you're working with them and you've got a project coming up uh, where you're trying to engage some local um, organization, I guess, uh, uh, towns and, you know, yeah. municipalities, I guess, right? Correct. Yeah. Park districts, school districts, municipalities, um, anybody that manages large uh, swaths of turf grass like sports fields. Right. And, and, and I played the, my, my, the, the quote about lawns earlier. I won't play it again uh, because you're a guy who works with people on lawns. So tell us what the, this initiative is all about. Yeah. Um, so last year we got a lot of demand for uh, transitioning uh, fields to organic or pesticide free as well as synthetic fertilizer free. Um, and that's all thanks to kind of the work of Stonyfield Organic that had their play free program. And so we wanted to address and meet those uh, needs by having these uh, free uh, natural lawn care technical assistance. So we have uh, two soil scientists on our team, uh, Vitas Papadinskis and Alec McLennan. Hopefully Alec can join us uh, today and they're going to be taking some soil tests of uh, these fields and then this fall uh, once we select the community that we're going to work with and then they're going to uh, use those uh, soil tests to come up with a full management plan for those fields so that they can manage these fields for three years with no synthetic pesticides Mm -hmm. or fertilizers. Uh, That's that's a terrific program and now from what I understand it's not just getting a bunch of names and pulling them out of a hat. You you're going to match uh, your skills uh, to the various entities that um, make an application. Yeah, correct. Uh, application bit.ly bit.ly slash MGG in caps and then app app and uncaps and then 2020. Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. it's too early on a Sunday. For no, 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 no. Ryan, Ryan, I've got your back, dude. Okay. I've got your back. So you just go to MikeNovak.net, and I've got the link there. Okay. So folks can just click on it. Go read my blog uh, from uh, for today's show, and that link is there. So if you want to get organic, or if you call it natural, some people call it different things, uh, lawn care, and create a couple of fields uh, where, where they're managed for three years without pesticides, without chemicals, uh, just uh, – fill out an application and the Midwest grows green might help you out. Yeah. Well, it's sorry. It's a Google, it's a Google form. There's four questions. One is what field are, did you choose and why did you choose it? So is there any uh, pest and weed problems that we should know? Um, is it heavily trafficked for sports, you know, sports for different sports? And then uh, we also want to know, you know, how you spend, how much do you spend each year so we know the budget uh, that we're working with for that field? Peggy, you were saying something? Oh, I was going to say, and they also, you know, in addition to getting the lawn care, you were telling us when we were talking to you to prep for the show that they're going to be getting social media, they're going to be getting education for the, so the community knows what's going on and a lot of other things. It's not just their lawn. Yeah. Uh, building the turf. 
Yeah, um, there, there's two phases that we have for this. The first is what we call an integrated pest management audit. So we audit the whole uh, park district or school district, and that's information is internally for the municipality. Um, and we look at all your practices and we make recommendations on how to shift your resources to different fields uh, so that you can manage all the fields technically with no synthetic pesticides and fertilizers. And then the second phase is this uh, one to two fields that we choose. And then we have those um, we have those added services of signage, press releases, social media, everything that Midwest Rose Green does really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Peggy brought up a good point, which is that uh, the information can get out to communities so they can do this on their own. It makes me wonder, um, do you get inquiries uh, from people saying, how do I, how do we make the transition? How do, how do we make the argument to the body that controls how our lawns are kept that there's a better way, a safer way of maintaining these fields? You must get those questions all the time. Yeah, uh, and that's really why we came up with this program, this new uh, Natural Lawn Care Technical Assistance Program, because uh, we're offering these services for free uh, right now uh, for one community, but we hope uh, we're going to get a lot of different applications, and then we can talk to that community and say, we can still give you these services. Uh, you know, We'll just have to find some sort of funding either from the municipality or um the nonprofits are, are from a foundation. Um, so that's, that's why we came up with a service. The other thing that we have um, that came out in January, and I think I actually talked about it on the show, uh, was our new uh, Lawn and Land Forum Toolkit. That's at lawnandland.org. And that has a lot of different uh, case studies of people implementing natural lawn care practices on sports and recreational fields specifically. So we have a case that I know Dan Dinelli has been on your show. We have his work with composting on his golf courses, um, but we also have our work, uh, and I see Alec, is, I think, has joined us, uh, our work with Grand Rapids and doing soil testing and stuff like that. So there's a lot of different uh, case studies that people can pull and start to work on natural lawn care today. Uh, exactly. And what was that website again? Lawnandland.org. Lawn and I'm posting land. it on Facebook right now. <laughs> okay, lawnandland.org, and it's there's a toolkit for how you can do this. I I I'm I still I know that uh, we, I bring this up all the time, and I think you kind of disagree with me, and that's okay. I still feel like there aren't as many uh, organic uh, natural lawn care companies as there should be, and frankly, that baffles me because I've been talking about this for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was going on before then. And I guess uh, when we bring in uh, Alec McLennan, um, he's going to talk about uh, some of the reasons why that's important as uh, a, a lawn care. Oh, okay. Uh, she doesn't see Alec in the waiting room. Did you see something there uh, that we should see, Ryan? I just saw a message. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> so he's not here. Okay. From what I am understanding is we're getting a busy signal or, or a uh, voicemail uh, is kicking in. So, uh, well, I can say really quickly that uh, uh, Alec is um, with uh, Good Nature Organic Lawn Care. It's based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they're partners with you. Um, and it's nice to know in other states like Cleveland, 
or I mean Ohio, because they're in Cleveland, they're in Akron, um, they're in Columbus, and in Indianapolis, Indiana. So that's good okay. too. Yeah, so, and they're they're hoping to uh, have a branch in Chicago area. Oh, as well. great! Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you. Ryan, uh, if people want to get their community, get uh, natural lawn care, go to my website, go to the blog, but also you can go to um, MidwestGrowsGreen.org, correct? Correct. And uh, I, going on the natural lawn care services, we have a list of uh, natural lawn care providers in your area. Um, it's If you look on our resources page at MidwestGrowsGreen.org, uh, you'll find those uh, Midwest natural lawn care companies and uh, if you're in the Chicago area, we have a couple of good companies. Uh, Greenwise out in your area in Evanston is a great one. Logic Lawn gonna, Care. We're going to have to leave it at that because we're out of time. Oh, Thank okay. you, Brian Anderson. Uh, we will talk very soon. It's the Mike Novak Show. You can reduce your household garbage 30% by the simple act of composting. But I live in a condo or an apartment, you say. Well, if you're in the Chicago area, contact Collective Resource Compost. They give you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote if you're working with your community. You fill it with food scraps, they swap it out on a regular schedule, and voila! You're returning organic matter back to the soil instead of creating harmful methane in a landfill. Go to collectiveresource.us. They make composting easy. Portrait of a radio show. This is not exactly a gardening or an environment or a local food program. It's all of them. You're entering another dimension. A dimension where information about the why and the who and the where are just as important as the how. And it's funny. I don't get that part. You've just entered the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki Zone on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Hey everyone, this is Peggy, and I'm here to tell you about Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine, your independent go-to resource for everyday wellness. Natural Awakenings is still the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. For more than 10 years, we've been at the leading edge of healthy living, helping you find ideas and trusted resources to lead a more fulfilled and sustainable lifestyle. Each month, we go beyond the trends to take a fresh look at food nutrition, wellness, personal growth, and green living. Natural Awakenings includes great articles for parents about raising healthy kids, too, as well as ideas for your sustainable home and garden. And if you like good food, you'll love our tasty recipes and meal ideas, from plant-based and gluten-free options to healthy versions of classic recipes and even lunches your kids will love. Natural Awakenings is available throughout the city as well as suburban Cook, DuPage, Lake, and McHenry counties, and it's free. Or read it online at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Really? Maybe that's what I should be doing. There's no money in radio, so uh, maybe I got to get the uh, the the mower out and need a pickup truck and go from house to house. Mow, mow, mow your lawn. Uh, yeah, mow and mow and mow and hey, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And um, boy, it's um, transition time. Uh, one of the things we were talking about. Um, with uh, Diane Blazek from the National Guard. Well, okay, let me, let me say two things. First of all, following up on Ryan Anderson's uh, conversation from Midwest Grows Green, 
if you want to change your lawn, this is the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right now. And especially if we're talking about cool season grasses, if you're listening in the South, that's a different story in the Midwest, upper Midwest. And, you know, we're talking like St. Louis North um, and um, uh, we're getting into the fall. That's when you do the lawn care uh, because it's the best time of the year to grow cool season grasses. Now, why is that? Because um, as we get into, there's a reason they're called cool season grasses. They like cool weather. Right now, it's not cool. In fact, this week, it's supposed to be very hot. And our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, will tell us about that in the second hour. Um, but uh, as we get into the, the fall, after the seeds germinate and the grass is growing and it gets cooler, the plants really like it. And that sets it up for the spring. So before they shut down for the winter. They're able to do some growing. So mm-hmm. we, that's why the fall. And I never understood. Well, I do understand because um, all the big uh, 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 garden companies are out to make money. This is why they do it in the spring because people are champing at the bit and they want to get out there and do it in the spring. But if you want to do yourself a favor, start your lawn now which means researching seed. Boy, we, we had bad luck today. with uh, We had one um, expert who was going to be on with Ryan and she had to bail for uh, emergency reasons. And then uh, Alec, I don't know what happened to him because uh, sure. I was going to ask them all about, about how to research, but uh, I'm going to have one or both of them on again. Yeah. We'll have a part two. We'll have a part two to this. Part and, two. Part two. Uh, and uh, we will talk about how you research the seed for your, because probably the worst thing you can do is wander into a box store and, oh, here's a seed mix. Here's a part shade seed mix. I think I'll put this in the lawn. And Uh, what defines part shade? You know, is it four hours of shade, full shade? So yeah, how do you, how do you make sure that you're spending your money on the right seed? Yeah. So that's one thing that's going on. The other thing is people are starting to plant their fall cool season vegetables. And we talked about that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, the woman from uh, the seed company, uh, your turn. Petra. Petra. Right. And what was the name of the seed company? Fruition Seeds. Fruition Seeds. Thank you. Up near Lake George in New York. Because Peggy lined that up. So I'm like, uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, But (laughs) Fruition Seeds. And 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 Skeet's family. Yes. Family. uh, Skeet from the care. No, geez. From Bartlett Tree Experts. (laughs) From Bartlett Tree Experts, go to Bartlett.com. He's watching us right it now. It happens. I, you know, I say WCPT sometimes, too. I'm like in WG. What? Huh? Okay. Uh, but from Bartlett, Skeet's family went to visit Petra. And um, uh, uh, that was so cool. And Petra was like, you heard about this on the radio? So thanks, Skeet. You are the best. You are awesome. So uh, look at this. This is a... Um, a uh, pea, uh, sweet Ooh. pea seed uh, seedling, and this is going out in the yard very soon, uh, nice. so it can grow into the fall. And because uh, cool weather are for uh, plants. Those the dwarf sweet peas. Uh, this is it's a snap pea. Cascadia sugar snap. Cascadia sugar snap pea. Okay, that's what we have here. Yum. Look at this. This is even better. This is not going outside, but this has been growing indoors. All summer under. So, what uh, what is this for those listening on the radio? Uh, this is baby leaf chard, right? Baby leaf chard, which some of which we have taken out. Okay, this has been growing under a happy leaf grow light. And for those of you watching, 
you can see those of you listening on the radio, this jar, it's a mason jar, is just chock full of chalk. It's like a, a foot tall. Yeah, coming out of the out of the jar. And I could even show you the little thing here. Look at look at that. There's the the root system. Good root system, yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. And sometimes I So that's hydroponically grown. It's hydroponically grown under the happy leaf LED grow light. Um, We'll be doing that in the winter, but we take some of them sometimes when they germinate and pull them out of there. And I just take them and plant them in the yard straight out of, out of the jar there. So um, people are charred is good. You know, the, the, the cool season veggies, spinach, still too early for spinach, according to Petra Mm -hmm. uh, and other things. Um, uh, Beets. We've got a new crop of beets out there uh, that are going to be ready in the fall. I uh, wish I kale, uh, kale, obviously. Yeah. Well, got R- um, let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm having Kathleen do all the dirty work here and grab the I'm jars. She is being Vanna White <laughs> without being on camera. Here is uh, my dinosaur kale nice. growing in the jar, as you can see. Uh, and I'm, I'm planting that outside probably later today, maybe tomorrow. You know, get it out there and get it uh, going for the cool weather. So that's what people are doing. Um, I'm jealous. Why? Because if I, mean, I do grow- that. Oh, chipmunk. Yeah. It'll be gone. I, I keep forgetting that you can't grow anything without having the chipmunks. It's just- got to be, it's got to be large when it goes in the ground. Uh, well, that kale would probably survive. Yeah, wouldn't that it? would. Yeah. The probably. dinosaur kale, which is a. No, but I'm I'm getting lots of squash. The cucumbers are doing fabulously. Finally, tomatoes are starting to ripen. Finally. Here's the difference. We've been picking, we've canned already uh, five jars of tomatoes. Ooh, nice. Ripe, ripe tomatoes, uh, which is something new this year to our repertoire is uh, canning tomatoes. Uh, we actually canned some blueberries, made blueberry jam, a couple of jars of blueberry jam. Um, now, I shouldn't say we, it's Kathleen is really the one doing it. I'm I'm there because there's boiling water and Mike, you need to lift the jar out of the boiling water. So that's, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> and, um, uh, but yeah, we, we've been doing, uh, I, I lost my train of thought, but that's okay. I do that all the time. We're talking about uh, tomatoes ripening. Oh, right, right. We've got all these tomatoes ripening, not a zucchini to be, what? No, no, we have a zucchini. All right. Finally, um, <laughs> we squash, I got the most beautiful, luscious squash plant. It's actually growing up a tree, all right, and Uh just going along the branches of the tree, and I'm getting all male blossoms. Healthiest, heck, just the healthiest plant ever, not a single squash. That's Um, the problem I typically have in this year. Something's different. uh, You know, and um, I bet our folks watching uh, on Facebook and listening might have some tips for us, but I've done all the checking. I'm not over uh, fertilized with nitrogen. I'm trying to keep the watering up. As I said, the plant looks perfect. It just doesn't have any fruit on it. So, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. But those things happen. However, my beets are rocking and the chard mm-hmm. is great and the kale is great and the tomatoes have been fantastic. So, and we even have cantaloupe. So, wow. Go figure. Well, I think you need to enter your garden, the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards 60 second video challenge. Uh, you got like, five seconds to explain that go to chicagogardeningawards.org and figure it out (laughs) okay all right when we come back second hour the entire hour is uh committed to the derecho that hit us last week i think you're going to find it fascinating welcome to the second hour of the mike novak show with peggy malecki this hour is brought to you by bartlett tree experts every tree needs a champion go to bartlett.com here they are again Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. 
meals, good food to eat, and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Um, the uh, technical gods are still um, uh, fighting us, uh, and we're 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 fighting back. We're punching back. Okay, we're 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 punching above our weight at the moment. But the good news is we have on the phone with us Liz Lenz, uh, journalist, author, staff columnist for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Uh, her writing has appeared in a lot of places, like the Huffington Post, the Washington Post. The Columbia Journalism Review, the New York Times. Why didn't you list the Times in this post first, Peggy? That's what I, <laughs> uh, I copied and pasted. Oh, okay. Uh, her book Godland was published in 2019, and her second book Belabored was just published this month. So, congratulations, Liz, on uh, on the book. Thank you. It's been a busy time. Uh, I bet. Well, and that's the other thing. It's got to be a little frustrating. You have a book come out and then you have a storm uh, with 100 mile an hour winds come rushing through Iowa and up and the apple cart. Um, we were going to start with Rick DeMaio, one of the th- our meteorologists, but we're, we're figuring out how to get him uh, on, uh, on the air with us here. Um, but we're going to start with you because you are on the ground. There in Iowa, as folks know, we were hit by a, a derecho, which is a storm that goes across hundreds of miles with straight line winds. It some, sometimes produces tornadoes, um, but the main feature is the, the front that goes across and just knocks down everything in its way, unlike a tornado, which sort of skips around. Um, although it did produce tornadoes in Chicago. And in fact, later in this hour, we're going to be talking to uh, Daniela Pereira from Openlands and Alderman Scott Wagesback uh, from Chicago City Council about the 7,300 trees that were lost in Chicago that were downed here, whether that had to happen and whether that can be mitigated in the future. Uh, so I'm looking at coverage of this the other day, and, and I mentioned the Washington Post, and I see uh, an opinion piece that you had written in the Washington Post, and the headline was, An Island Hurricane Tore Through Iowa. You probably didn't hear about it. And uh, I posted that on, on the show Facebook page, and I wrote, Liz Lenz is angry, and she has every right to be. Um, and tell us ab- about uh, the, uh, the origin of that piece. Well, you know, um, and, and it, it, yes, what happened was basically we had a, um, a category two hurricane with no warning. So, you know, the, I think the big thing is with hurricanes, like people, you can prepare and, and, you know, who, who, who would have thought that Iowa should prepare for something like that? And, um, and it just completely devastated my town. Um, it hit on August 10th and, you know, we, we had, I work in the news. All I knew was that, you know, we were going to get a thunderstorm and that was it. And that warning about that came not too long before it hit. And then the sirens go off and, you know, I'm working from home with my kids 
in this in in a pandemic, right? Because we're all still right. home, and I'm thinking it's just going to be fine. And I grew up in tornado country, Texas, you know, so I, I, it's hard to phase me with a storm. And my kids go to the basement and our cat is outside. So they're like, please go save waffles. And so, <laughs> you know, I go up to see if I can see waffles in the front and I see a tree snap in half and fall on a car. And then wow. I start hearing the snap, thump, snap, thump. And, 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 and it's, it's terrifying. And that's when, you know, I just, I was like, well, and then I couldn't see because in front of my window, I thought a whole tree had fallen, but turns out just a quarter of the tree basically fell. I couldn't see out my window anymore. And I just ran downstairs and, you know, kind of held my kids and reassured them. And uh, yeah. And, and then coming out, it was, it's hard to, it's hard to describe the devastation, even people in neighboring towns, who've come here to help are like, we had no idea it was this bad. You know, it, it's, it's just every tree, every home was damaged in some way and, and coming outside and seeing, you know, everything just be destroyed. And, you know, and I had to, I work in the news. I had deadlines and stuff I had to file. I had no internet, no power. And I two kids and I still had to make it work. So I threw them in the car and uh, we drove out of town. We had to drive uh, an hour North to um, Cedar Falls to even find a place with internet and, you know, driving out of town, I saw billboards snapped in half, the whole buildings collapsed and, you know, I'm crying because this is my home and the place I love. And I think probably about Tuesday, the, the very next day, you know, it's, I'm just looking in the news. I'm like, why isn't anybody talking about this? We were completely devastated seniors and now have gone without power for, you know, went without power for five days. You know, um, um, you know, people were trapped in their homes. People were homeless and living on the street waiting for the Red Cross to come and nobody came, you know, and, and it's, it's just hard to see this disaster happen and, and have nobody, shout about it. And so I guess I'm a professional shouter. So a friend of mine who works at the post had texted me and she said, you need to write about this. Um, and, and so then I, and then I did. And yeah. And so I hear a lot of people being like, Oh, well it got national coverage. Cause I read that thing in the post. I was like, I wrote that thing. <laughs> like, yeah. So <laughs> you, it, it doesn't count as national coverage. And then I ended up freelancing for the post, which I'm so grateful for, but helping them report out on the ground. Cause you know, the pandemic is pretty unchecked here in Iowa. So nobody wants to send in reporters, which I understand, but you know, there's a lot of great local media we could partner with. And, and the sad part is, you know, it's not that we want, it's not that we want to have our glamour shots and on CNN, we want help. Right. And when yeah, there's that, national attention. Right. That's been sort of your uh, uh, your focus is how can we get it not only uh, national attention, but state attention. Uh, you you talk. Yes. About, and I've read some of your pieces where you confront some of the uh, administrators and say you, you said to one of them, I thought, it, you know, he's saying, well, what do you what would you have us do? And you said, I thought that was your job. Um, you know, and, and, and I understand their frustration because they couldn't get anywhere. A lot of the, the first responders couldn't get out of their driveways. And I see, yes, Rick DeMaio, you're going to mention that Rick. We have Rick and his volume's on. Okay. Rick, 
so one of the things that Liz Lenz, uh, who's in um, uh, Lynn County in Iowa, said that when she came to work, they were predicting a thunderstorm. What happened along the way uh, after, you know, that to change that in, in such a short time? Well, to be honest with you, they weren't just predicting a thunderstorm. And no disrespect to Liz, but uh, this was very well predicted early in the morning, went from a slight risk to an enhanced to a moderate. Uh, Then a severe thunderstorm watch went out, uh, which was labeled as a particularly dangerous situation. So from a meteorological standpoint, uh, this was predicted quite well from the standpoint of most derechos happen on an order of about zero to about six hours. This is not the type of forecast that you're going to get on a Monday for a Tuesday or even a Monday night for a Tuesday, but all indications were there pretty much early in the day on Monday that this was going to be not only a derecho that we haven't seen in probably 30 or 40 years, but the possibility of 90 to 100 mile an hour winds was uh, very well predicted. Now, That doesn't mean that Liz is not a smart person. It just means that she may have not gotten all of the details down of what the forecast was from not only the Storm Prediction Center, uh, but also the local National Weather Service office. And that happens a lot. People get caught up in their routine of what's happening during the day. And the next thing they know, they go, holy smoke, I didn't realize this was going to be that bad, only because they didn't have time to drill down into the details of what was going to be happening with this massive storm system. Go ahead, Liz. Well, with all due respect, though, nobody knows what a derecho is. It's a completely meaningless concept to most people. So, you know, if if you look up in the news and they say, oh, strong winds are a derecho coming, that's not fully communicating you know, the the severity of the situation, you know. And, and yes, I had seen that strong winds were going to come, but that that doesn't that that doesn't communicate to people, you know what what it actually means, and and I th- and I still think that's the problem with getting national news coverage too. Is that I mean, you say derecho, people don't understand it unless they've gone through it, and so um, well, you know the- they think oh, just strong winds blew the crops over when it was really just a, a complete and utter devastation of my town. Yeah, and and one thing, Rick, that she said, and we got about a minute here uh, before we break. Um, one thing that Liz said early on, it was like a Category Two hurricane swept through Iowa. That that sort of uh, lays it out there, doesn't it? If you say it that way. Yeah, and 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 again, I mean, I don't want to get into the minutia of a derecho. The storm prediction center doesn't come out and say a derecho is happening. They say that a severe thunderstorm watch is issued, which was issued at six o'clock in the morning and the possibility for winds in excess of 75 miles per hour with some gusts as high as 100 was predicted as early as 6 a.m. So again, I don't think this is where we want this conversation to go. No. But again, the word derecho just describes the type of long-lived severe thunderstorm that this was. And after the break, we could talk about the damage that obviously occurred due to the crops, which is what we're here to talk about. Well, not just the crops. What Liz wants to talk about is the damage to her town and what the people had to endure for days uh, and into a week. Power still being out. All right. We need to break. It's Mike Novak show. Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. 
Even during the COVID-19 outbreak, Bartlett tree experts are available to help you with your tree care issues. And now Bartlett is offering a new disinfectant application service for outdoor spaces. Because of their existing equipment, resources, and infrastructure, Bartlett has been able to make a quick transition to assist businesses and homeowners through the application of disinfectant products. They can apply to walkways, patios or decks, fences, gates, playground equipment, stadium seating, park benches, outdoor furniture and tables, and most other hardscape surfaces. While these disinfectants are EPA registered, you'll still want to consult with the Bartlett expert who can walk you through any environmental concerns you might have and how often the product will need to be used. Correct application is highly effective in controlling a wide range of germs and microbes that can cause many illnesses, including COVID-19. Give the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts a call because even in a pandemic, every tree and open space needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Even in the middle of a pandemic, we need to be prepared to bring about a just recovery. That's the theme of the Faith in Place 2020 Green Team Summit from September 13th to the 17th. This year, it's a virtual event, so folks can attend from all over the country. Workshops will connect the dots from faith to climate change to racial justice to public health. Peggy and I will be part of it, and we hope you will be too. Help us create healthier communities. Go to faithinplace.org. The folks at Blazing Star know that good soil biology means good soil. That's why they sell products from trusted industry leader Tinyo that contain more than 30 species of beneficial bacteria and fungi chosen for their critical roles in soil and plant health. In other words, whether you're a farmer or a backyard gardener, they help you grow the life in your soil so your soil can grow your plants. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. Or since the Doracho came to town, uh, that's at, actually Lena Horne. I think that was the, the last time she sang that. That's uh, a 2014 date 2014, you had on that. yeah. It's uh, very cool. I, I happen to track that down. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're uh, talking to meteorologist Rick DeMaio and also to journalist from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, Lynn Lenz, who... Who Liz, was in the middle? Liz Lenz. I'm sorry, Liz. Liz Lenz. Actually, I I I keep having in my head, Liz. Uh, if I slip up and call you Liz Lemon, please just smack me. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first person. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I called you Lynn. Now it's Liz Lenz, and it's spelled L Y Z. L Y Z, which made it hard for me to track you down. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Liz, uh, we were talking to Rick during the. Um, uh, the break. Uh, very briefly, Rick, explain why it was so much more powerful. The winds were so much more powerful in Iowa than other places uh, along the route of the uh, derecho. All right. So I think that's a different question of why it was so impactful in Iowa. Um, if you would have taken this derecho of 100 mile an hour winds and blow it across Iowa in March, no damage. If you take this derecho and blow it across Iowa in late September, no damage. But you blow it across Iowa between the first and second week of August, and you have massive, massive devastation to corn. What's interesting to note is soybeans were not as impacted due to the Mm -hmm. fact that they're very short, and they were able to bend, and even 100-mile-an-hour winds could damage them but not destroy them. 
corn at this point in the year is not only about six feet tall, but it's also very, very hard at the base. And below that fourth node or nodule, if you want to call it that, of where the leaves come out, if you bend that over, it's not going to come back. So even though there are about 30 million to about 40 million acres of damaged corn crops, um, about 10 million from what we know right now are completely destroyed, meaning that they were probably broken off. Uh, but the original question, Mike, which is why it was so bad in Iowa. And, and wait, wait, and let me and let me just stop you there for one more thing. Reason, Rick, is the other thing that you failed to mention is that the trees were leafed out; they're in full leaf, at which and in the winter they wouldn't have been, right. and and right. a lot of those trees probably would not have fallen. That I think yeah. that's another thing. Well, I, is that true though? Because I saw entire trees uprooted and snapped in half. I think that would have happened at any in the fall or the spring or the winter. Well, I'm going to find that out in the next segment, but I suspect that, that there would have been less damage. There's still more resistance with the leaves. Yeah. 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 Typically Liz, most of your tree damage is going to occur either during the month of August, early September, or after extremely heavy rain. And what's interesting to note, and you probably see this more than anything, Liz, is most of central Iowa westward is an extreme drought. We now have 10 counties that are literally on the number four out of five scale of drought intensity, and that's not helping either. So even some of these crops that are still kind of in the ground and are able to get their head up, farmers can't do anything with them because they're not going to go out there and irrigate. They're hoping for some rain. And unfortunately, we haven't gotten the rain, and we're not going to get any more rain. So this is about as bad as it gets. You have damaged crops in the middle of a drought. You have no place to put whatever you can take out of the ground because the silos are damaged. And what Liz pointed out, very, very importantly, we're in the middle of a pandemic. All right. So well, let me start. And, and, and communities that have been decimated. <laughs> yes. And communities that have been decimated because, I mean, God bless, a lot of those crops are federally insured. You know, the 90-year-old couple that had to put a please help us sign in their, you know, in their home to get somebody to give them food. That's, that's, that's a far different story than, than, than a corn crop. And that's the story you're telling Liz and that I've been reading in your pieces, which is people getting out there and waiting for somebody to come and in the red cross couldn't get through and the other agencies couldn't get through. Um, and so how, how have they been surviving? Well, I mean, I do do just want to say we still put out a paper even when the Red Cross couldn't figure out how to set up a shelter. And and, and I mean that very pointedly mm-hmm. um, because I feel like we have been failed by the agencies and the people who were supposed to help us. But um, but yes, I mean, like it, it, it has been it has been very difficult. People couldn't I mean, people couldn't leave their driveways. People couldn't leave their homes. And, you know. I, even even people who didn't have a lot of tree damage, I had a woman call me at the newspaper. Um, she couldn't get out of her garage. She's 65 years old. She's diabetic. But all these, there were some downed power lines over her garage, which meant she couldn't get her car out, which meant she couldn't get anywhere, which meant she was having, and people had brought her food, but she's diabetic. So all the food that she brought, she, she couldn't eat. And, you know, so... And so she called me four days in and was like, mm. tell me where I can get a hot meal, you know, so um, because she hadn't eaten properly in four days. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's what we're still dealing with. And I will say it's amazing how people have come together and helped each other. But also we're doing it in the middle of an unchecked pandemic. Yeah. 
And also, you know, and also when relief efforts are crowdsourced, which is wonderful, people still get missed. You know, people in mobile home parks or people for whom English is not their first language. Um, there was huge devastation to Cedar Rapids's immigrant community and, and nobody went out there to help them, you know, until news reporters started sounding the alarm. And so, what, um, from what I read also, yeah. the shelters were damaged. So you couldn't take people to shelters and the, the, and then they probably wouldn't have been able to be staffed anyway. And there's a pandemic. Have I and no power and no power <laughs> in a pandemic? I mean, it just sounds like the worst case scenario all around. Yeah, I mean, there should have been a plan because we are six months into this pandemic. And I do know that emergency plans are updated pretty regularly. And it is Iowa. And we do get, you know, some pretty severe weather. So there there should have been some sort of um, better plan than what's been put in place. And I hope that going forward, we can push our um, our nonprofit agencies and our emergency response agencies and um, and everyone to just, you know, to, to, to have a, a better way of responding here. But yeah, I mean, you know, our, our mayor famously has been complaining about how he was stuck in his his home for a couple days. Meanwhile, you know, a local KCRG news reporter climbed through tree branches uh, and had a coworker pick her up so she could still report the news. So, you know, I think there's, we're going to have to leave it there. A lot of excuses. I I want people to go to check out uh, Cedar Rapids Gazette, go to the gazette.com. Rick DeMille, we're going to talk to you in, uh, in just a few minutes in your regular slot. Liz, thank you so much. It's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. More about the derecho when we come back. COVID-19 messed with a lot of things this year, but the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Award still wants to see your garden. SEGA announces the 60-second garden video challenge. Take your cell phone or camera out to your yard and show us in one creative minute why your garden is special. SEGA will post the videos on their YouTube page where viewers can vote for their favorite gardens. And yes, there will be prizes. Go to ChicagoGardeningAwards.com or click the logo at MikeNovak.net. Since 2001, DiveHeart has been revolutionizing rehabilitation using zero gravity and scuba therapy to give confidence, independence, self-esteem, and yes, freedom to children, veterans, and others with disabilities. At DiveHeart, we believe in the power of partnership because together we can do great things. Let DiveHeart help you imagine the possibilities in your life. Go to DiveHeart.org to learn more. And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I have no idea why I actually chose that music. Uh, I was kind of wondering myself. But. Friday, it made a lot of sense. <laughs> Today, it makes no sense at all. But that that's the Danish National Symphony Orchestra in a live version of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I know the, good, why. the Bad, the Ugly of Tree Care. I don't know. That, no, that was it. The Good, the Bad, the Ugly of, of all of this, of a storm, of, of down trees. And that's what I was thinking Ooh, of. We lost um, Scott. Um, uh-oh. Uh, let's hope we get him back. But we have uh, to start. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> the guy who just disappeared is uh, Scott Wagesback, who is the uh, Alder 
person, alder guy, alder critter, alder from, dude, alder dude from the nobody. Nobody knows what to call him anymore. Um, and I don't mean him personally. I mean the alders. So that's what uh, advocates for urban agriculture uses the term alder. So mm-hmm. uh, he's from the 32nd warden, and he will be back with us. I hope. But fortunately, we have Daniela Pereira. Uh, on board as well. She's the Vice President for Community Conservation at Open Lands, and you can go to openlands.org to find more information. We love Open Lands. They do uh, all kinds of great stuff for natural areas in this region, not just Illinois, not just Chicago, but the entire region uh, uh, of uh, Wisconsin and Illinois and Indiana and Michigan. So, uh, Daniela, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me here. Um, (laughs) uh, We were talking. Can you move real close to your mic? Yeah, lean into the microphone just a little bit. There we go. Okay, how's that? That's better. Um, And uh, we were talking uh, with uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio and uh, Liz Lenz um, from uh, Iowa, uh, Cedar Rapids, uh, about the trees they lost there. And there was a conversation about whether more or fewer trees would have been lost in uh, the winter or early spring because the trees hadn't leafed out. Uh, we had we lost 7,300 trees here in Chicago. Do you believe that to, to be the case, Daniela? I, I think it's a hard thing to figure out because, I mean, you could have ice storms that will, you know, freeze ice to a tree with no leaves and, and tons of stuff will come down too. Yeah, that's true. So, so I think well, really- I guess I'm talking about the straight line winds is, is uh-huh. in particular. Um, uh, but you're an arborist as well, uh, have been uh, for 20 years uh, certified arborist. Uh, so that's uh, part of your training on this. Um, and you wrote an opinion piece. Speaking of opinion pieces, <laughs> Liz Lenz and, and now you, uh, you wrote a piece in the Trib about this and and why we need an urban forest forestry advisory board and it had to do with the storm can you connect the two for us please yeah uh, well i i've been hoping for an urban forestry advisory board for a while now and i actually think if we had a department of environment that they might be able to you know uh, address a lot of the issues but since i started open lands almost eight years ago i get weekly calls i swear weekly calls about people upset that their trees are coming down why aren't they not inoculating my trees anymore? You know, it, and, and, and we should make clear, this is in Chicago. This is in Chicago. And it's not just Bureau of Forestry. It's Park District. You know, we don't have any plans around trees on CPS property. You know, there's a lot of people who touch trees all over. And I think we were just at a really uh, 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 good point that when all these trees did blow down with the derecho that I think it became really obvious because I think usually people don't think about trees until the tree is about to come down or comes down that they realize how important it is and so if you don't have a, a plan for how to maintain trees you know this is what's going to result and so hopefully you know Scott and the other alders that are pushing this forward We'll be able to make some progress on having having something out there for uh, all the constituents <clears throat> in Chicago to uh, feel good about. 
Well, let's go to uh, Scott Waggis back here uh, and some of the points that you've raised, Daniela. Um, and, and some of it is about tree care. Uh, and you sent me a very interesting uh, uh, letter to the editor piece from a guy who was uh, not happy with you because he says you were too uh, critical of the arborist, city arborists. Um, but part of what Danielle is talking about here is that we've been losing perfectly healthy trees because somebody on a block says, I don't like the way that looks. They have clout with the alder person. They go to the alder person and say, get rid of it. And then the alder does. Um, that's probably a, a reason right there to have an urban forestry advisory board. Uh, don't you think? Yeah. And I think that's where um, I first met Daniela when uh, we were going over some of these processes that, uh, that I was beginning to learn about with uh, what they call discretionary trees where an alderman could say, yeah, just go cut that one down. Mm-hmm. And I fought for years, um, unfortunately with residents saying, you know, that's a live tree. We're going to do everything we can to save it and try to prove that it's really a serious problem before we would even touch it. But you know, Mike, the, Danielle has talked to me about this for many years, that we need this holistic re- approach to every aspect in every department and in every agency. We just don't have it. And, um, you know, we had the Emerald Ash Borer starting in 2002 that started this destructive process. And we've never been able to get everyone together and say, you know, what's happening over there at the park district around the school grounds? And people call us for all of those issues. Um, yeah, I've got my own chainsaw but I and saws, but I hate going out there and doing things unless we really have an arborist looking at it. And um, so I think the, the whole goal here is to really create something that will affect us now and several generations into the future. And the advisory board, I think, is the only way to do that. And I, I give great credit to Open Lands and others who've been working on this issue for many years. And it wasn't until now with this new mayor that I've been able to introduce this. Uh-huh. Uh, let's go back to something else Daniela said, and that's the Department of the Environment. That's something that uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot talked about during her campaign. We're more than a year in. We haven't seen a revival of the Department of the Environment. Can you tell us anything about that? Well, I think it has a lot to do just with the budgets, um, and we've really pushed for it. She's brought in uh, Angela Tovar to be the sustainability officer but I think we're, we're trying to figure out a way to um, recreate that because I think under daily when they created it, um, you had some folks working there that were doing a great job trying to go up this trajectory, talking about the tree canopy um, and a lot of other climate change issues. But, um, you know, when it was killed off uh, when ROM first started, we haven't been able to get that traction. But I think this mayor's committed to it. In the meantime, I think this tree advisory board will be able to go forward um, and we can help kind of. Uh, push that forward, uh, the idea of the DOE, but also in its absence, really do a lot with the advisory board. So, Daniela, um, how could trees uh, be prevented from taking as much damage as they did during the storms in Chicago with uh, a little bit of maintenance? Yeah, well, to be able to do that maintenance, I actually think we'll probably need more crews out there to do it. Um, you know, right now they're on a, a plan of just responding to 311 calls. And that really put mm-hmm. the emphasis on a homeowner knowing when a tree needs care versus having an arborist come out and do that. So if you had a grid-based pruning system, 
you would actually be able to inspect all the trees and do preventative health care. So if you see trees are hollow or if you see that limbs are dead, you'd be able to take that off instead of waiting for the wind to take that down and, you know, ultimately damaging people or property. Um, and it's not just, you know, street trees. I, you know, thinking about, you know, I live right across the street from a CPS school and they have big trees right there. And a bunch of them came down. Bureau of Forestry was, you know, great and responded to that, but really that's not their jurisdiction. <laughs> so how are we going to manage the entire canopy of trees? Because, you know, they have all these great benefits. And if we're actually not doing anything to sustain them, you know, these trees that, that have been in the ground for 50, 70, 100 years, mm-hmm. we'll not see again in our lifetime. And, and you mentioned Chicago's actually lost more than 14,000 trees in the last year. Um, so far. In, and last year, there was 19,000 trees removed. And we've got less canopy in Chicago than many cities. We have less than Los Angeles, and Los Angeles wow. is experiencing drought. Uh, Los Angeles typically doesn't have a ton of canopy, you know, traditionally, but, you know, a lot of cities, um, even including Denver, plant street trees and trees because of all those benefits you actually receive from it, even though it might not be historically from or in those areas. And we're going backward. Unfortunately, that's that's we're going in the wrong direction. So the the ordinance was supposed to have come up earlier. Uh, we talked about it on the show, uh, but it went to the rules committee and city council, which is no. where ordinances go. <laughs> no, uh, where or, ordinances go to die. So what's going on right now, Scott Wagaspak? Yeah, one of my colleagues uh, pulled something there where they sent it to to the oh, rules nice. committee, but. And I, I was very upset about that. I know Daniela was, but we've already talked to Alderman Michelle Harris, who runs the rules committee. Um, she's going to send it back to the finance committee where um, I'm the finance committee chair now. And um, we're definitely going to have the hearings. And I think it'll probably take place uh, sometime in September. Um, so we're, we're definitely going to move forward with it. And I, I'm, I'm happy that she's working with me on this. And uh, we all know, and, and we just have a few seconds here, so I'll wrap up. We all know that there's a pandemic. We all know that there are uh, there's unrest in the streets. We all know that we've got school crisis. We've got all of these different crises, but trees are important because they make the, the quality of life so much better. Uh, Daniel per- Daniela Pereira, thank you so much. Go to openlands.org. Scott Wagaspak, Alder from City of Chicago, thank you for your continued work. Let's talk about this some more in the future, okay? Thanks, Thanks. for having us, Mike. Yeah. All right. Rick DeMaio Weather uh, will finish about hurricanes and drought. We'll be back. You can reduce your household garbage 30% by the simple act of composting. But I live in a condo or an apartment, you say. Well, if you're in the Chicago area, contact Collective Resource Compost. They give you a fresh 5-gallon bucket or a 32-gallon neighbor tote if you're working with your community. You fill it with food scraps, they swap it out on a regular schedule, and voila! You're returning organic matter back to the soil instead of creating harmful methane in a landfill. Go to collectiveresource.us. They make composting easy. This is Peggy Malecki from the Smart Talk Radio Network. One of the best ways to help out during the COVID-19 crisis is to donate blood. It doesn't cost you anything but your time, and the good it will do is immeasurable. Right now, fewer people than ever are able to donate, which makes the need for blood greater than ever. Can you spare an hour? Contact the American Red Cross today to schedule an appointment. Go to redcross.org. 
at the bottom of an ocean of air, an ocean of air, an ocean of air. We live at the bottom of an ocean of air that's called the atmosphere. The atmosphere is made of dust and water vapor and different kinds of gases. I bet Rick already knew that. Uh, Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, Rick DeMaio has been very gracious today with his time to talk because it's crazy weather time in the United States and the world. Uh, Rick, give us 30 seconds and we'll be right with you. Go ahead, Peggy. Hey, what happens when your lilac sale gets postponed by a pandemic? Hmm? What happens? You carefully nurture your plants and reschedule for an online sale in September. The Lombard Garden Club has a large selection of dwarf, semi-dwarf, and full-size bushes in white, pink, magenta, bluish purple, and the ever-popular common purple. Common purple. Hey, here's a bonus, too. Due to the delay, the plants are bigger than usual, and they're ready for immediate fall planting. So you can purchase your lilacs online and pick them up at Lilacia Park in Lombard from September 10th through 12th. Go to LombardGardenClub.org or click the lilac photo at MikeNovak.net. All right, let's get to a meteorologist. Rick DeMal, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, and I apologize for it. Um, oh, sorry. Because um, just a quick recap of the derecho, not so much in Iowa, which we've gone through, but Chicago. Uh, yeah. When it, you know, I was, it's, it's interesting. Um, in, on my block, um, plenty of wind, some down branches, but really not, not a lot. Of, even my backyard in my garden was spared. Uh, you right. go a few blocks away to Logan Square. Mm-hmm. Some of those trees were just twisted and, mm-hmm. and stripped of, of their branches. Um, and it made me wonder, is it possible we could have, is that straight line wind damage or would that have to have been tornadic damage? Well, it was straight line wind damage, but on the scale of one to 10, it was probably a five Mm -hmm. straight line wind damage on a scale of one to 10 in Iowa were an 11. Okay. Now, when you get into areas of Chicago where you had the tornadoes, I was over in the Rogers park area, you know, two days after it occurred, and literally on the corner of Tui and Sheridan, there were no trees down. You walked two blocks north to Jarvis, and you literally had 20 trees down. And that was tornadic winds. So mm-hmm. we were actually lucky here from a standpoint of the amount of straight-line wind damage and the amount of power lines that came down in the Chicagoland area were much, much less than they were in other parts of the Midwest. And even though the National Weather Service declared that seven tornadoes touched down, they were all F0 and F1. But the one in Rogers Park, because it's such a densely populated area with literally trees that are right up on top of one another, the amount of damage and the impact is much, much greater. So again, straight line winds, you know, when you're talking 50, 60 miles an hour, that's a lot of wind. But because you see damage of 110 miles an hour in another neighborhood, you immediately go, well, it wasn't that bad in my area. It was only 50, but still 50 mile an hour winds. That's a lot of wind. We just always, as human beings, the first thing we do when we observe things, we compare it to either how bad it is or how good it is. And that, that is the immediate perspective that most humans have, unless you're a scientist in that particular field. 
Yeah, really, it was interesting, you know, and I was so surprised when I, I didn't see much damage here, and, and I did the comparison thing that you're mm-hmm. talking about when I right. went to the boulevard in Logan Square, and uh, I haven't even been up to Rogers Park, but I got those wonderful photos from my blog from a friend who lives up that way and just went walking around taking uh, oh, photos. Terrible. And, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I and guess. W- we'll, go ahead. I was going to say, it was probably a much longer sustained wind up there in Rogers Park that you know, what you're seeing in the photos yeah, was I, causing, I, except in Logan Square, it was fast. Yeah, I, I think what happened also, Peg, is that you'll get this preceding wind gust of 50 to 60, so the trees will swing back and forth, and then the tornado will come through and basically take care of whatever tree didn't come out of the ground. The tornado will basically rip that part out of the ground mm-hmm. as well. Wow. All right, let's go to California because sure. uh, they are encountering and dealing with some uh, incredible wildfires. What's right. going on there, Rick? So what, what's really amazing about California is the first thing people will equate to why their wildfires are so bad is that it's been really dry. It really hasn't been that dry in Southern California. Matter of fact, there's not even a drought declared in Southern California. Most of the fires, though, are burning in Central California, northward. We're literally on a scale of zero to five. They're only about a D2, which is a, a level two drought. In other words, the drought is twice as bad in Iowa than it is in California. However, if you look at the temperatures, the amount of heat or the degree of heat that California has had in the months of June, July, and now August are literally off the charts. Phoenix just had their hottest July on record. Southern California had their second hottest um, July on record. I'm looking at the temperatures so far for San Francisco and Stockton, which is basically the middle of the state, they're six and a half degrees above normal. So even though it hasn't been that dry, whatever soil and whatever sort of plants and trees and shrubs are growing are now much, much drier due to the fact that it's been so darn dry. So again, now we're heading into the driest part of the year, which is literally the second half of August and into September. Mike and Peg, we're not even near the midpoint of the fire season, and we have this going on. And you think about it, we're not even at the midpoint of the hurricane season, and we're ready up to letter M. And this wow. is what you see with climate change is a shift in the seasons. We have literally gone into the second half of summer a month ahead of schedule. Wow. And and that's just such a a great point. And you told me the other day, because I asked, I said, was the derecho caused by climate change? And you no. said, no, but the, but the drought, the, the fires and the hurricanes are. So right. you have to, you just have to differentiate, right? Right. Now, from a meteorological standpoint, the derecho was not a result of climate change. However, that doesn't mean that climate change doesn't have an impact on derechos. Let me explain. As the atmosphere warms, the jet stream may get pushed a little bit further north. So instead of derechos occurring more so from Nebraska and Iowa, this may be more of a concern 20 and 30 years from now in literally North Dakota, Minnesota, and in northern sections mm. of Wisconsin. Mm. So the same systems may develop. They just may occur early in the year or further north. All right. Give us, do we have, we really need to get to the forecast, but sure. do we need to worry about the hurricanes the double barrel hurricanes in right. Gulf of Mexico. Uh, Marco will become a category one and just basically produce 65 to 75 mile per hour winds in Southwest Louisiana. Laura most likely will produce much more in a way of heavy rain, 
over Hispaniola, Puerto Rico, and Haiti. And you know, those countries can't take 10 inches of rain. Massive flooding down there. But by the time Laura gets into the northern Gulf, it will most likely ramp up to a Category 2. The only problem is it looks like it's going to move in the same area that Marco was. All right, give us that forecast. All right. Um, Hot and humid today, hot and humid tomorrow. Temperatures in the 90s through Thursday, and then we cool off again. But only seven-tenths of an inch of rain so far for the month here in Chicago in August. It's been dry and getting drier. Oh, my goodness. Rick, thank you for all of your time today. You were fantastic. We really appreciate it. We also want to thank Diane Blazik, Ryan Anderson, Alec McClure. Oh, no, we- Alec didn't make it. <laughs> Liz Lenz, Daniela Pereira, Alder Scott Waggis back. Uh, and until next time, go green or go home. Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. Mm.